0: This is a relay project.
1: Seriously. 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 Seriously.
0: Seriously, Seriously starts now. Here's Sapria and Ryan. Hey, it's Wednesday, January eleventh, and you're listening to Seriously with Sapria and Ryan. I am Sapria DeVetti in Toronto.
1: Ryan Jesperson in Edmonton, and I wish I could fly across the country right now to give you a big hug. I know it's been a brutal few days for you.
0: Nah, I'd love that big hug. Um, yeah, I hope it has. it's okay. Um, I led with this. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. no. That's good to lead with this. Um, so just to cut to the chase, I suppose. Um, I put my dog down this past Friday, Cody. Um, I had him for 15 years. There he is as a pop for those that are watching us on the, uh, YouTube stream there. Um, (laughs) there he is with my daughter. Uh, yeah. So, you know, once you've had a dog for like 15 years, um, they really do go through quite virtually every stage of your adult life. Right. And, um, I don't know, you and I have known each other for a little bit now, and I think, seriously, listeners um, have gotten a a little bit of a sense, at least maybe, that, I don't know, I'm not exactly the kind of person that's like, I don't really do outward expressions of grief, I guess, or sadness, um, Mm. and I'm not really much of a crier, um, but, you know, what I've learned recently is that once you actually start crying, Ryan it's very hard to stop. Mm. And then for somebody that doesn't cry, you're just like, what the fuck is the salty discharge? That's a constantly, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, yeah. dripping down your face. And I don't know. I'm, I was a little bit late to do real talk with you. The, the segment that we usually do on, on Fridays, because I had to fix my eyeliner. Um, I hadn't put him down yet. I was going to do it later that day. And, uh, yeah, I was just a bit of a mess. Um, and I'm kind of like the queen of compartmentalization. Right. I mean, I used to do like four years of morning radio where I'm dealing with like live threats that are coming into my inbox as I'm supposed to be like next where to get the cheesiest pizza in town. You yeah. know, I don't know. Um, yeah. So it was just, uh, yeah, the grief is hard and it's complicated. And I don't know. It's, uh, it's not great.
1: Well, yeah. Um- uh, people, people have to check out this show on YouTube. I know we most people hear it on the podcast, but these photos that you've shared with us are absolutely beautiful. And uh, I mean, it's amazing. Like we're, we're seeing him with your, you know, your little one with, with you when you were yeah, younger. It's, I mean, Here, he's there that, at our, your wedding, our wedding. Right there. Yeah, I mean, that's a stunning photo, by the way. Yeah, dogs are like I'm. We have a senior dog in the house. Not fifteen. Gosh, Moses is ten now. And Monroe, his little sister, she's three, and um, Moses is, uh, you know, for boxers, they don't, you know, it always feels weird to talk like this, like to talk about life expectancy and things like that, it's real life, I always think if Moses could speak, he'd be like, I'm I'm fucking sitting right here, you guys, like, he'd be talking (laughs) about me, But, but he's starting to slow down, he's having a bit of a tough time getting up the stairs and things like that, and it's tough to watch, and I'm just... As I would imagine, you were as well with Cody, like just trying to honestly take every single second, and and I, you try to find the balance, right? Because you don't want to, you don't want to like treat your dog like they're dying, yeah. But but you also want to like squeeze the most out of every moment because they Moses was my first ever dog, yeah. ever. Uh, was Cody your first? Did you grow up with dogs or
0: no? I did not. Um, I did not grow up with dogs. Uh, in fact, my Parents, I feel like a lot of Indian or Desi parents do this, where they tell their kids they're allergic, but they're not actually allergic right. to, okay. to keep it as an excuse sure. for not getting a dog. Um, I got Cody um, when I was 22. He, I'd never had a dog before. He was my first dog. I got him as a puppy. Um, I'm like, I don't really have a close relationship with my parents or like either of my parents, if I'm being very honest, like neither of them came to my wedding, neither of them met my daughter. Um, And so Cody is in a very, very real way, you know, the closest and most consistent family member I've had for those last 15 years. And to your point about like squeezing every, every moment, I mean, yeah, you, you do need to. And like that, the thing is with, with, with grief and with pets um, it's hard, but it's also like complicated because you can't really like you get it i know you get it because you're a dog person right and like um i
1: wasn't though i am now
0: yeah but like a lot of dog uh, if you're not a dog person i don't know if you get it right mm-hmm. and so you can't There not that sort of like acceptance to take time off um or to just you know take time generally to to process or whatever um and it just adds this other like you know kind of shitty layer to the already kind of shittiness
1: yeah and 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 you don't hear the you know i've you know, had it's it's actually been an interesting week, like from from my perspective, just as a friend of, of yours and of others, like three of my close friends, you included, all had to say goodbye to their pups. Uh my mm. aunt and uncle said goodbye to theirs yesterday and, and the day before that, the the organizer of our pond hockey classic, our charity fundraiser. So the three of you, you all families that are close to us and uh, you know, we've been seeing these photos and reflecting on these memories. And, and my buddy said to me yesterday, he says, it's just like the, you, you you don't like hear the sounds of the, of the dog. You don't hear like the, the yeah. call, you know, the, the dog tag banging against the water dish when they're drinking, or you don't hear the click of the nails the on pause. the floor. The it's the pause that get
0: it for me. Yeah. The click of the yeah. pause. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So mm. it's just like life is different. And I know we'll get hit uh, we will get shut down by YouTube for copyright infringement so we can't use it but I would refer to people I don't know if you ever heard uh, Jimmy Stewart r- read the poem about his dog Bo on the yeah. on the tonight show with Johnny Carson it's it's like I think it's about three minutes and it, it, it's, it will just make anybody weep it's beautiful uh, and also very sad and uh, just a reminder you can, I'm sure everyone's offering you the what feels like platitudes but um, you know it's like in a way when you feel this gaping hole in your heart right now you also kind of remember about the incredible part of your life that he was and will be forever right I mean 15 years and counting for the rest of your life you'll look at those photos and I would imagine they'll evoke strong emotions uh, whether you share them with us or show them outwardly or not
0: yeah 100 percent. i think that's a that's a good way to sort of um you know put things in perspective uh because you're right and i mean sometimes in the cloud of grief you sort of lose that sort of uh overall overarching kind of vision of this um and it's it's true 15 years is a very long time i'll always have those memories and you know um he taught me how to be an adult i think hmm. um and uh yeah, I'm just very grateful for our time.
1: Well, much love to you, my friend. Um, I, I I know it's a tough time, and and uh, gosh, everybody with a senior dog can can relate. I know it. Much love to you and the and the whole house. Um, we're gonna be talking politics in just a second. Obviously, there's, yeah. there's a lot to cover uh, federally and otherwise, but uh, one of the things that, that I w- was really jumping out at me and one of the things that we were paying attention to uh, over sort of more in your neck of the woods uh, in particular, I was noticed, like a website down the LCBO had posted to Twitter this week that their website uh, and their mobile app were down because of a, a cybersecurity incident.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit weird. They're being somewhat uh, tight lipped about this. I'd actually checked right before the recording of, uh, you know, we started recording this and like the website is actually still down as of that time. It just brings up this service unavailable message when you get to the website. And, you know, we don't have the full details yet as to what exactly went down with this you know particular site. But this whole thing is just a super good reminder of how important it is to make sure your team gets proper training on cybersecurity, no matter what the industry is that they're working in.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Working with a a strong training partner like We Know Training can help protect your business from risks like these from getting completely shut down. Uh, Their expert e-learning team designs training that actually changes behavior so your employees will retain and then act on what they learn.
0: Yeah, exactly. We know training specializes in training for regulated industries, and they are so much more than just your standard LMS.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so basically, this means they do it all, right? If you want to know what that actually translates into, they can create and and host and even sell, which is a really big deal, obviously, your courses, and then optimize them to make sure that you see real business results,
0: and so if you need to train your team, they offer a scalable solution that's ideal for high stakes training that really matters. If
1: you want to work with a training partner that truly understands your needs, has solutions to your challenges and delivers amazing value against your business goals, talk to the team at We Know Training.
0: You can visit their website at weknowtraining.ca or find them in the show notes. The lead.
1: We also want to know about the outsized influence of this company in the operation of our government, and our democracy. The company is under investigation for its involvement in politics and government in France. They've had to pay financial penalties for their role in facilitating uh, the sale of opioids into the United States of America that helped deliver a massive um, drug overdose crisis that is now spread into Canada. And then finally, the CEO, the director, uh, former director of this company managed to get himself uh, the gig as our ambassador to China. So it's time for Canadians to get answers. We need to know what this money was for, what influence McKinsey has had in our government, and it is time for Canadian taxpayers to have answers to these questions.
0: So that there was Pierre Polyev uh, calling for the House of Commons Government Operations and Estimates Committee to launch a study into these tens of millions of dollars that have gone to the management consulting firm, Kinsey, as well as, and you heard in that clip, um, you know, Polyev making the very astute observation, and I think it needed to be said, um, about looking into what exactly the influence that uh, a company like McKinsey has um, on the operation of our government and democracy writ large. Um, And, you know, Ryan, this was all sort of spurred on by a, a Radio Canada investigation. And some of the top line numbers here for what the government spends on McKinsey are just like eye popping. I mean, the liberals have spent 30 times more on McKinsey services than the conservatives did um while under harper and like you know nine years of harper comes about comes out to just over two million at 2.2 million and uh trudeau's seven years um comes in at 66 million dollars doled out to mckinsey
1: business is good at mckinsey
0: fuck <laughs> no kidding um business is good at mckinsey but like it's causing you know all sorts of rifts within the federal public service right as like you can imagine because we're outsourcing huge chunks of um, you know policy uh, creation and directives to this management consulting firm and you know a lot of um, folks within uh, the for, either formerly in public service or currently in public service are pointing to the fact that like you know that's actually why you have a civil service and a public service is that so like they can do the policy making and do all these things that um, were I don't know apparently outsourcing to, to McKinsey. Can,
1: can we say like to state the obvious, I mean, we always promise to we'll, like. Cut through the noise and, and get to the the angle that the average, ordinary, regular person is going to take on a story like this. Once you start talking about favors and backroom deals and and uh, you know sole source contracts and scandals, I think of the sponsorship scandal. I think of uh, golf balls and Jean Chrétien. I think of the Wii charity. This is the type of thing that tends to stick to the liberals, like from a strategic standpoint politically. I think it's a smart play for Pierre Poilievre and the conservatives. Do you?
0: 100%. This is the kind of thing that should shame the liberals into oblivion, right? Um, not all, to your point about how this is the sort of thing that sticks. Uh, it is just like a caricature, I think, of what conservatives would paint uh, the L- capital L liberals as, right? Like out of touch elites that are doing, as you said, like backroom ish type deals, um, for political kind of quid pro quo after the fact, um, none of it looks good. It doesn't mean that these allegations are necessarily true, but I think the questions that Mr. Polyev raises, um, with respect to needing to find out more and calling this to, to committee, um, and looking into, uh, some of the details behind these, uh, you know, these, these contracts or these services that were apparently provided, um, is, is, is really important um you know aside from just an abstract kind of like democracy matters sense it also matters what finding how much money we've spent here right like it's just like also dollars and cents um we need to figure out why this much money was was sort of doled into this and
1: well let, I don't me, know. let me ask you because it is an interesting angle when you're talking about you know when we're talking about uh, like let's be clear let's dig into exactly the types of things that mckinsey co would be hired to do are we talking like policy development are we talking polling for government departments or are we are we talking about work with the public sector I, i don't know that the average person Truly understands exactly what this relationship might look like, and and what essentially the government or the Canadian people are paying for, right? Because if if we're going to st- compare apples to apples, you know, perhaps the Harper Conservatives went in a different direction, or perhaps they used a different firm, or right? Like it yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to me, it, yeah. you know, to, to point out that Harper spent two million with McKinsey and Trudeau spent sixty. Like maybe Harper hates the guy at McKinsey. Maybe 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 <laughs> Harper's you know friend at the other. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of factors that can come into play. There So bigger picture, I like that you're digging into whether or not it's even appropriate. Uh, And I think it probably is to a certain degree for efficiencies and otherwise for a government to farm out some of this kind of stuff. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, to be understood, right? You're going to farm out, I guess, some of it. I think with respect to McKinsey in particular, though, um, you know, Mr. Poly have laid out quite nicely as to all of the uh things that it's been accused of in the past. Um, if you talk to anybody that's worked in public health or epidemiology for, for some time, I mean, they will tell you that the McKinseyization of public health communication and, and policy has been a real detriment. Mm. Um, you do raise good points with respect to like we don't necessarily know the details, but that's part of the problem here and part of the reason why the liberals are kind of shooting themselves in the dick over o- over this. Like if we don't Know then, give it to us. Um, let us know what those reports were actually doing, what those presentations were actually about. Um, we know from you know Radio Canada and uh, other uh, organizations now looking into this that the um, Immigration, Refugees, and, and Citizenship uh, you know Department, along with the uh, CBSA, the, the Canada Border Services Agency. Um, was about forty four percent of uh, what McKinsey was doing, but again, no no reports. We don't have any information. There was no details given by McKinsey's part. Um, the only information that that I guess journalists were able to glean was from former um, you know civil servants who were uh, quite flabbergasted at the fact that this was even sort of happening to to begin with.
1: Huh. So you it's not unusual. Obviously, the opposition members on this committee want the probe. Uh, they want it done. And, and politically, it would serve their purposes uh, in so many ways as the probe would likely not or potentially not. might not even want to take the risk reflect well on the government so the liberal committee members vote down this probe what do you think the optics are of that it's 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 a predictable outcome but what are the optics of it
0: if all the liberal members vote this down um you still if all opposition members and i think the chair is conservative then you um you know then it it goes to then they they study it um but just the optics alone i think is are, are bad like i don't think they need another um you know, allegation thrown their way about being elite and out of touch and arrogant. Right. Like that is the sort of thing that sticks to liberals, um, for better or for worse, whatever it is like that is, you know, it may not be a fair branding, but it's the branding and that, that like, or the perception rather, I I guess I should say that, that folks have. And there's been, uh, you know, enough of that sort of thing in, uh, you know, past liberal governments to your point, um, that it is a thing that that could definitely stick. And I think if the committee members were smart, they would think about the optics of that. But I don't know if they necessarily always do. Also, there's this.
1: You're never going to believe it. Uh, Alberta and Ottawa, back at it. Uh, that's right. It's a battle royale. It's a Toe to toe, fistic. Okay, okay. So it's actually not that big of a deal. But 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 Alberta's energy minister Sonia Savage is stirring up the dissension. Uh, this time aimed at uh, federal natural resource minister Jonathan Wilkinson. She doesn't like the phrase "just transition." She's criticized Alberta's environment minister rather, Sonia Savage. Ottawa's "just transition" legislation says it's extremely harmful. Uh, meantime, Wilkinson, for what it's worth, says he wants to. Dial down the political rhetoric. Says that they're not trying to kill Alberta's oil and gas industry. That they're working on supporting sustainable jobs. Uh, Sounds like Alberta saber-rattling again. Perhaps this UCP government, Sapria, stirring up some support ahead of a May election. And Ottawa yet again put in a position to have to try to explain how its relationship with Alberta isn't as bad as Alberta Says it is. Did I sum it up in a way that you would say is accurate?
0: Yeah, I think it is. But here's where I—I I don't know. Like, I think they should just fucking scrap it. The term "just transition," um, you, you know, if it, it like, and that's not because I think necessarily that Minister Savage is has a great leg necessarily to stand on here. I mean, "just transition" wasn't something that the Trudeau government just pulled out of thin air. Um, that phrasing uh, and the concept, I guess, really was um from that Paris Agreement, right? Yeah, Twenty fifteen, uh, like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like back in 2015. Right. So um, they didn't invent it. It was put on uh, departmental websites, I believe in the 2019 campaign. It might have been referred to in campaign documents. But to your point, you know, Minister Wilkinson um, has already said he doesn't really like that language. He says he prefers to talk about sustainable jobs. Um, And I think when you're talking about policy and politics, I mean, comms is a, a really big part of that right and so if you're having trouble selling something as a just transition and you know it's going to be easier to sell something as providing sustainable jobs for the middle class and those looking to join it ah, well then done. i think you've got a better sort of sell there and i don't know if we need to dig in our heels um simply because it was language that was used in the in the paris agreement
1: who cares about the language Nobody cares about the language, <laughs> except for also in politics, everybody cares about the language, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, you look at the uh, the dustups that people have had, whether or not carbon pricing should be described as a carbon levy or a carbon tax. And if you oppose it, well, you probably call it a carbon tax. And if you support it, you probably call it a carbon levy. But it's the same thing, and it costs <laughs> everybody the same amount, regardless so get- of what we call it.
0: It does, yes, regardless of what we call it. But I mean, the fact that it's not actually a tax and it's a regulatory charge is a big reason as to why the Supreme Court ended up deciding in the Fed's favor. You and your details, you and your
1: accuracy, your commitment to bringing us the unfettered truth. (laughs) But the language does matter in the sense that that if something is positive, it can serve to unite and glean support. And if something is perceived or painted to be negative, then obviously you can drive in a wedge and both approaches serve a purpose for politicians. What this is all about, I mean, it depends, too, on your your understanding of what the word just means and how it describes it, a just transition. Couldn't that be described as a a way that provides an equitable and, and perhaps in some cases encouraging opportunity? opportunity for energy industry workers that might be transitioning mm-hmm. to a new green sustainable energy industry i mean th- th- we're not going to pretend and i know people trot this out but but it deserves to be tried out again and again and again we don't still light our street lamps with with whale fat i mean things move on there's not operators Moving and plugging in cables So landlines can connect on phone calls Things transition Things change Stephen Harper never pretended like they weren't going to change Why should this current liberal government Pretend and why is the current Conservative opposition pretending like It's not eventually going To transition like isn't it actually Unjust to Energy workers (laughs) in oil and gas To pretend like their jobs are going to be around Forever isn't that the Injustice
0: yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, particularly as somebody who's been, you know, um, trying to talk and get pe- more people to talk about climate change as I've been given a mic in front of my face. Um, but I would just say that in terms of, you know, uh, talking about whether or not this is really a just transition or not, um, if you have those oil and gas workers that bristle at the very term. Um, maybe because they've seen a couple of memes on Facebook talking about it. Maybe it's been, um, presented to them as like a bit of a, you know, uh, grand conspiracy sort of thing that, that Trudeau's coming in after your way of life. He's going to take your trucks first, then he's going to, you know, take your job after that. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know. It's like, I am sympathetic to everything you're saying and I agree with you. But I just think that language does matter. Um, we shouldn't pretend that things are going to be around forever. Things do transition. Right. Um, but I think there's a probably a better way to to be going about that. And for all of the fights that the federal government is fighting on multiple battles, I don't know if the term just transition is one that they you know, really don't want to compromise or capitulate on. Yeah. I mean, but th- this type of stuff can happen overnight, quietly. They put
1: one phrase to bed, they throw a marketing plan out, they introduce a new one, and nobody remembers it. Like, like, what was the idea of the transition called, before it was called the just transition? I have no idea. Nobody remembers, of course. Yeah. And that's the whole <laughs> point, right? But you look at the environment minister, what she has to say, quote, Minister Savage, it means phasing out fossil fuels immediately, keeping them in the ground. Even more than that. And here it is, Sapria restructuring societies and economies yeah. and redistributing wealth. Is that what it means? No. Is that of course what it means? Not.
0: It's not what it means, but that's it's what it It's not even close it to it what it means. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not trying to give her a free pass here. I don't think she should be fear-mongering like that. But the, the problem is, is that once people already start, then you gotta either play defense or you risk your entire policy being mired by this sort of rhetoric.
1: Yeah, this is this. I mean, the worst thing that ever happened to this whole movement was, you know, somebody in Fort McMurray saw a Subaru with free Tibet bumper stickers on one side and just transition bumper stickers on the other side. And it just
0: fucked the whole plan. Seriously? As the Minister of Citizenship and Multiculturalism, I am proud that Ontario is home to over 900 people from India. (laughs) Ah, It was Minister Michael Ford, nephew of Premier Doug Ford, who since June of 2022 or since the summer of 2022, whenever they did the cabinet swearing in, has been the minister of uh, multiculturalism speaking in India um, there. Uh, hey, he was not
1: wrong. Ontario is home to more than 900 people from India.
0: Yes, that is technically that true. Is,
1: that is accurate. Yes,
0: never mind the fact that you can probably find 900 Indians in Ontario in any given moment at a Costco fucking parking no. lot. Um, But yes, I suppose there are more than 900 He's people. He's not wrong. Uh, from india in uh in ontario so he's he's right about that um oh, but yeah look boy. he obviously misspoke i don't want to like y- you know <laughs> drag this guy into like some deep dark you know hole here but like no we can just laugh at really fucking dumb for a thing few to minutes yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 you know yeah. we don't have
1: to drag him into a hole we'll just mock him
0: yeah 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 mock him mock him <laughs> Um, you pointed out something that I thought was rather interesting. Well, in terms I'm, just, of, uh, I'm
1: just wondering where all the conservatives are with a white politician from Canada showing up and playing costume party in India because I was pretty sure that this has been described as one of Justin Trudeau's greatest disgraces. Uh, everybody knows. Everybody is getting the vivid recollection of that picture in their mind of Justin Trudeau playing costume party in India. So, so, so where's the criticism from the conservatives with, with Minister Mikey here?
0: Great question. Um, But can I just clarify something for all of the white people that were so offended at uh, either Minister Mikey or the prime minister in Indian clothes? Old Indian aunties love it when white people wear Indian clothes. Okay, (laughs) if you've ever been to a fucking Indian wedding in your entire life and there's a white woman in a sari. All of the old Indian women will circle her, tell her how good she looks. They'll ask her who dressed her. How did she get it on? Um, you know, like my best friend is she's white. And at my wedding, I I can assure you that every single woman there went up to her and went, oh, Erin, you <laughs> look so good in sari." Every single one, because she did.
1: So maybe Sorry. we didn't see this curveball coming. <laughs> A pat on the back. And a round of applause for Minister Mikey.
0: There we go. H-
1: Hitting it out the of Nippo the park. baby
0: Minister Mikey. Hitting
1: it out of the park in India. Hey, every single Wednesday, we promise to cut through the BS, to cut through the noise of the stories that are making news, and maybe some that deserve a bit more of a spotlight across the country.
0: Yeah. And as always, we want you to keep in touch with us. You can follow us on Instagram at SeriouslyPod, on Twitter at Supriya and Ryan. Check out our website as well, SeriouslyPod.com.
1: And thanks to everybody who likes, subscribes, and shares our content. We'll talk to you again next week.
0: Seriously is hosted by Supriya Dwivedi and Ryan Jesperson. Technical producer John Hicks, executive producer Josh Dunford, account coordinator Lawrence Norlego, general manager Katie Cook Shivers, human resources Lena Shepard, voiceover by me Tangi. Seriously is a relay project. For more, check out seriouslypod.com.